Welcome to the Top of the Pile podcast, where you'll find some of the most interesting authors in conversation about everything from their lives, their books, and their big ideas. From health, science, and true crime, to fiction, history, and romance, we'll bring you fascinating conversations about subjects you never even knew about, and some that you do. You can also get more bookish recommendations by subscribing to the Top of the Pile newsletter. Just visit simonandschuster.com.au to join our mailing list. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Simon & Schuster podcast. I'm Jane DeGraff. Today, we're very fortunate to have best-selling international author and mental health campaigner Rachel Kelly joining us from the UK. Rachel's latest book, The Happy Kitchen, is a sublime combination of good mood recipes, meal planners, and information outlining the benefits of the ingredients used. Furthermore, the book tells us about Rachel's experiences with depression and how she's harnessed the power of food to stay calm and well. I'm Jane DeGraff and I'm the food editor at Channel 9 Kitchen and I'm very excited to be talking to Rachel today because the honest truth is I'm a huge fan of this book and I see a lot of cookbooks on a daily basis. So Rachel, welcome. It's very nice to be talking to you as a genuine fan of this book. Oh, thank you very much. I feel quite emotional actually. I I feel your genuine enthusiasm and I couldn't be more thrilled and thrilled to be here in Sydney and chatting. Where did your journey start with mental health and food? working together to support one another? Yes. Well, we have to rewind quite a long way in the sense that um, I had my first major depressive episode back in 1997. So maybe some listeners weren't even alive. But um, I was very unwell for around six months with a serious depressive episode. Um, I shut the topic down, thought I was going to be fine. Unfortunately, I had a second major uh, serious depressive episode and that was in 2003, 2004. And then I was ill, pretty ill for a couple of years. Um, but I was treated mainly with medication and a little bit of therapy, which is the standard approach in the UK of the National Health Service. And nutrition was never mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't really on the agenda immediately in the aftermath of the serious depressive episodes. But I was beginning to be a little bit more interested in the idea that food could be my medicine. But we have to fast forward a few more years. And I was seeing my doctor for my ongoing anxiety. And she said, have you thought of happy foods? And I said, what do you mean happy foods? She said, yeah, you know, there is there's some interesting evidence around three in particular. So she mentioned oily fish, dark green leafy vegetables and dark chocolate. So I thought that that sounds nice. Well, that's a win right there. <laughs> that, that's a win right there. But interestingly, in the UK, doctors have practically no nutritional training at all, around okay. two hours of their whole training. So she said, look, you know, I'm a little bit out of my depth here. Um, have, have a play around. So that was about five, six years ago. And I did. And I started to look into nutrition and mental health. And the really big moment when the story started really was when I teamed up with this nutritional therapist, my wonderful co-author, Alice McIntosh. Um, and I went to see her as a client. And I said, look, um, you know, I still have some insomnia and I get very worried and I can be quite quite low at times. And, you know, can we work together? Maybe you could help me with some of my symptoms. And, and that was really the start of the conversation, sort of big time on, on what nutrition could do. 
Okay, and so then for you, you've obviously experienced this firsthand. You've you've had depression and anxiety and you've treated it both with medication and food. Yeah. At what point did you say, look, this is information that I need to share with other people? Because there's not there in my experience, there's a lot of beautiful cookbooks out there about how to lose weight and how to live this incredible yeah. life and all this stuff. This was sort of the first one that's really come across my radar that's gone, actually, food as medicine is a real thing and it can actually not just transform the way you look, but it can change the way you feel, which is more important yeah. on getting you on that road to being to being healthy. When did you feel, hang on a second, I've got to share I've this. I've got a story. Yeah. No, you're quite right. So I think um, I work alongside quite a lot of uh, mental health charities in the UK. So mm. I'm an ambassador for SANE and I'm an ambassador for Rethink Mental Ill- Illness and I also work with Young Minds. So what happened was, um, this is my fourth book, and my second book was a memoir of my own experience of debilitating depression. It was called Black Rainbow. And um, mm. after that, I started doing a, some workshops and some public speaking and getting alongside some of these uh, mental health charities and working with people who were finding life difficult and were feeling fragile. And I realized more and more running these workshops um, that I really did believe in this holistic approach and that I didn't feel that just the medication or even just the medication and therapy of people were lucky because that's um, there are long wait, wait lists and not mm. everybody gets have therapy. And I became more and more intrigued in the links between mental and physical health. And it became obvious to me working with um, these workshops. So I work in, um, I have, I, I run one set of workshops at my local hospital. Um, it became more and more obvious to me that other people didn't have the evidence-based information for this holistic approach. And I'm quite nerdy by background, I think. And um, I also feel quite a big responsibility that you're working with fragile people. I didn't want to give people false hope. I didn't want to overclaim. Um, I wanted to be very, uh, as much as I could, to be evidence-based. Um, so our 70 recipes are based on on 150 different nutritional studies. And I felt that this information would be useful for the kinds of people that were coming to my workshops, mm. the kinds of people I was interacting with. And indeed, more generally, um, you know, I'm a mother, I've got five children. And, um, you know, I, I knew from my children and their friends that there were a lot of anxious people and even the ones that weren't anxious were intrigued as to what were the medicinal power, powers of food and how did it link with mental health. It was like a new topic. And I, I still feel like it is a really yeah. new idea. I know more and more we're talking about the role of the gut in in how, yeah. you know in our, in our general well-being. It still seems like such a new area. And one of my questions was going to be, how are people responding to the ideas? Because I know when you when you say food is, you know, using food as medicine, yeah. people can have quite a negative reaction to that. There, first of all, there's the flip side of, well, you can't replace medication with food yeah. without some very, very serious um, support and, and help from people that yeah. know what they're doing. And secondly, there's still a lot of, you know, like, oh, that's not really going to work, surely, from people. What's your res- what's the response been like to the book? Yeah, well, you raise a couple of really good points. So the first thing I'd say is that um, I would never say no to medication. Mm. I think medication can be life-saving, and I've used a lot of it myself. I think what I would say around these other lifestyle interventions, like the nutritional ones and exercise and some of the mindfulness, te- mindfulness techniques, is that they actually make the medication more effective. Mm-hmm. So even if you are on medication, I still think it's a good idea to think in terms of what would boost your mental health for our diet. So, but you're right. You you, you know you have you, you. I'm not a psychiatrist. I would always be very careful around that mm-hmm. that whole area. So 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 that's one point. So yes, in terms of you know a cynicism around it as an approach, and does this really work? So I think the backstory is that um, 
most of the research into mental illness is funded by pharmaceutical companies, as mm. you would imagine, mm -hmm. who um, understandably are needing to um, promote and sell drugs. So one of the problems we have is around people taking the nutritional research seriously. But I think that um, there's some really positive news on that, which is that there, there is nutritional research. We have good, uh, quite a lot now of good short-term studies. We don't have too many long-term studies. Now, interestingly, we don't have too many long-term studies in terms of uh, psychiatric medicine either because a lot of the psychiatric drugs are, are really relatively new and we don't have that many long-term studies in terms of things like long-term side effects. Mm. So I think um, that's, uh, you know, that we do have these nutritional studies. Um, there are more coming all the time. You in Australia are at the forefront of this. Um, Deakin University in Sydney has just come up with a really big and important first randomized control trial actually taking a, a kind of depression diet and have had very good outcomes. So there's more research coming all the time. Um, I think the other really important um, reason why I think nutrition will be taken more seriously in this sort of mental health space is that um, there are certain people who do not respond to the medication at all. So even the most uh, diehard psychiatrist would acknowledge that 30% of people do not respond to antidepressants. And the reason this is important, well, one of the reasons is that the drug companies are not making new new drugs. Most of the big drug companies pulled out of developing new antidepressants around eight, nine years ago because they're considered good drugs and they work for, for enough people. But as I say, there's this 30% of people that they don't work for. And the nutritional interventions for them could be hugely uh, uh, significant because the drugs aren't working. Mm. Um and and not just that 30%, as I say, even the other people who are responding, they're responding better, oh. uh, even if they are on the medication. And and basically, um, for the rest of us, as I say, there's more and more evidence, there's more and more trials, um, having some very good outcomes in terms of how effective uh, these changes can be. I mean, as I say, we, we have 150 different studies in our book. Yeah. yeah. Just touching on that again as well, you've, you've obviously said it, it works differently for everybody. Yeah. You have your own personal experience of this. And I know I think something that people would want to ask you given the chance is mm. how quickly did you personally see results from changing your diet? Yeah. You know. Well, it's a really good point. And I think it actually spools back to your earlier question, like why did I bother to go out and share mm. this and five years work and putting the whole thing together? And I think it's one of the reasons that I was just so excited was that I actually felt different pretty quickly. Um, and so are we the, talking weeks or, or no days? Wow, really within days. And actually, the research backs that up. So some of the changes to your microbiome and helping the healthy gut bacteria, which are linked to lower anxiety, mm -hmm. we have quite a few studies on that. M admittedly, most of them are still on animals, but there's still there's some um, now human ones as well. But the changes to a microbiome can happen within a number of days, which is so exciting. That's so and quick because I, I know with the medication, it can take much longer to balance it absolutely. out and find a setting that works for you. Absolutely. I mean, even with the best outcome, a doctor would say it might take two weeks for medication to kick in. Mm. And I think another really exciting thing is that um, Alice said, OK, well, let, let the acronym is maybe unfortunate on air, but it's crap. But if you avoid... <laughs> People will remember yeah, that. <laughs> if you remember that. So carbonated drinks, refined sugars, aspartame and additives, and processed meats and processed foods. Mm. And if you cut them out, and honestly, in one day, I began to feel calmer, uh, particularly the sugar. 
So the sugar rushes and the highs and lows, which mm. really fed into my anxiety. So funnily enough, with the book, we, we followed my own journey. So I thought Alice would say, well, okay, well, we'll really work on your anxiety first. And she said, no, we're going to work on your energy. We're going to get your energy up. And sugar and managing sugar was a big part of getting steadier energy. Mm. And that happened, that happened quickly. Um, so I was just like, wow, this is amazing. Um, you know, I can't believe it. It's a good starting point, isn't it, when it starts to work right from the beginning? Yeah, yeah. Did you have any withdrawals? Did you have any problems changing anything? Was there something that was a real crutch for you that you really yeah. had trouble letting I mean, go of? I mean, I still, I think like a lot of people, not even if you didn't suffer from anxiety or felt fragile, I mean, I, I, I definitely have a strong draw to sugary and sweet, sweet foods. We're programmed um, that way. We're programmed so right from our, our mother's breast milk is sweet. You know, mm. that's that's what what we, what's what we like and what we know. So so I'm no different to anybody else. Um, though though interestingly, um, there is some work that it's partly um, genetic. Your your tendency to like sugar or get more of a sugar hit from it. So so that was hard for me. And I think that a lot of the people I work with, you know, if you're feeling a little bit low, you know, what do you do? You have a muffin, you have a slice of cake to yeah. sort of cheer you up. So that that did take a while, um, you know, actually to, to to sort of wean myself off that emotional connection, and and Alice was very um, thoughtful and supportive in, you know, not just the practical thing of you know reducing the sugar, but but psychologically adjusting to how I thought about food and feeling it was much more my friend and not demonizing it, not just saying okay, sugar's bad, okay, sugar is bad, but 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 reframing a whole approach to food in a way. So as part of that, did she give you some like secret weapons to keep up your sleeve? You know, like what should you keep in your handbag to meet those moments where you are yeah. feeling like reaching for a chocolate bar or, you know, because that is our sort of go-to. We're Absolutely. walking home, we're walking past a shop, we've had a rubbish day, we'll pick up something laden with sugar or laden with fats. Yeah. Is there a way around that? Do you? We, we, we absolutely. So we had a lot of sort of tips and strategies to sort of, so the, one of the first things was to do a, to, was to do a timetable. Yep. A Monday to Sunday. Interestingly, Monday to Sunday. So not just Monday to Friday, because a lot of people have a pattern that they eat one thing Monday to Friday, mm. and then they have a different set of rules at the weekend. Blowout on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, and so one of the one of the strategies was to look at when I ate. You know, wh- not just what I was eating, but the timetable when I was eating, when I was exercising, when was I sleeping, when I was taking time out, when I was having a break, because all these things are kind of interconnected. So mm. a timetable was useful. Uh, keeping a diary, a food diary, to actually begin to notice what you do eat. Because mm. um, you is... kept coming back to the fish pie that you have over and yeah. over and over again. Did you know that about yourself to begin with or did that become evident when you were keeping the diary that there was this thing that you kept going back to? Much, much more evident. <laughs> um, actually, that's one of our golden rules is to increase the variety of what you eat. Yeah. And, and that was one of the things which was this kind of positive approach was that most people eat around 20 ingredients each week, whereas Ancestral Man might have eaten more like 150. But that was such an encouraging message that actually variety was good. Um, so rather than just thinking uh, all these things I wasn't going to have, like the carbonated drinks, the refined sugars, the aspartame, um, Alice was very thoughtful in terms of let's be positive. There's all these other things you can have. Um, and she also worked uh, with substitutions for some of the sweeter things. So instead of the white refined flour, the spelt flour or the slow release sugar flour or... Um, and as you say, also like tips like always have some almonds, which are calming, nice mm-hmm. and steady and have them in your handbag. So never get so hungry that you're desperate that you, you know, buy the first thing and, you know, walk into a McDonald's or have that slice of cake. 
Now, you also said in your book that you weren't necessarily much of a cook when you started this adventure and this journey. Yeah. What would you say, I guess, to people who aren't necessarily well-versed in the kitchen themselves? Is it a frightening path to take? Did you have to learn a lot of new skills or did you just dive right on in there and and yeah. start changing things? Um, well, again, I think Alice was very thoughtful in the sense that the way we did it is we took things that I already knew a bit mm. or I was familiar with or I had a sort of sense of. So, for example, pancakes. Yeah. It's kind of like almost most of us, well, many of us know how to make pancakes. And I kind of knew how to make pancakes as a, as a mother, you know, you kind of know how to make pancakes. But then she took a pancake and she just did it with a healthy twist. So okay. like we have a spelt, uh, spelt pancake with spinach. Which looks beautiful, I might add. The picture we, itself is just delightful. Oh, it's just gorgeous <laughs> and it's delicious. And then we have a we have a hemp seed, um, a flaxseed, no, flaxseed pancakes as well. Um, so that was a kind of thoughtful approach was just, just to take something that I already knew. So... For example, we have a, a dark chocolate brownies recipe. But again, we do it with a little, little bit of a twist. It's a little bit different. Again, we go for a, a, um, a, a different flour and we use coconut oil, a little bit of maple syrup, but not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some Brazil nuts in there, with selenium, which is good for your mental health. So it, it was it was a sort of nice, gradual process of take the things that I already knew, yep. um, you know, chicken, fish pie, and then give them a little bit of a twist and introduce new ingredients and sort of um but 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 I I think mm, the other thing that I was lucky is um I have two teenage daughters yep and they came on the journey with me because actually it's hard to just change your diet on your own yeah um so it became a kind of family thing so I did have their help and one of our sons was kind of (laughs) keenish that was actually going to be one of my next questions yeah did the people around you benefit hugely from what you were doing? Because I can imagine if you've got, you know, five children that you're taking care of, you know, you have a family. Did you notice changes in them from the changes in your food and what you were doing or? Um, I think I didn't really notice too much changes in their moods because, I mean, fingers crossed on the whole, they're, they're, I think they inherited my husband's genes, whatever, but they they (laughs) seem reasonably steady. But there were some changes in terms of embracing cooking. Yeah. More which was really nice. There certainly was an enthusiasm for more of these kind of globetrotting ingredients like harissa paste or chia seeds or goji berries or the things that perhaps I didn't wasn't so conscious of. Maybe that generation is a little bit more mm-hmm. in touch and tune. So so that was nice, the kind of coming along on the ride with me on that. Um, and yeah, I mean, as I say, I think probably the biggest change in mood was mine, but um, they're pretty cheerful. Um, so, and, and And thank heavens they find the food delicious. Because, you know, well, now this is going to work if, if they're not going to eat it. Then. That's, that's a really important point, actually, because yeah. that's, you know, like I said, the book is beautiful. The recipes look great. For me, the the be all and end all is that they taste incredible, too. I have two small children. I cook yeah. these, these recipes for them and they, they eat them, which is surprising because they don't eat very much. I have trouble feeding them at the best of times. But yeah. they do. They, they really got into them. The, the saffron chicken in particular is a, is a hit in our house. Aww. And the, the recipes are delicious. So it isn't just a beautiful photo that doesn't taste any good. They, these recipes yeah. are amazing. Well, it, it was. I mean, it was a kind of toing and froing for sort of five years between me and Alice and then what the children thought. So between our kitchens and then trying them out with friends and what do you think and are these brownies gooey enough and let's keep trying no (laughs) they're not really gooey (laughs) yeah I mean it was fun like that and you know and also you know were these um, ingredients reasonably available and you know would friends be able to easily cook them and we we, you know we we were very conscious that while the book's for everybody but you know maybe it might be particularly of appeal to people who feel a little bit fragile maybe they weren't going to cook so much Mm. um and actually, that was a huge part of making it easy was was just rearranging my whole kitchen and store cupboard and what I had in the cupboards. 
Um, so, you know, um, there's a lot in the book which, like, maybe you arrive home late, tired from work, but you still want to quickly whiz something up. So mm. they're pretty simple, some of them assemblies, but, like, you know, instead of, um, I don't know, just having tins of tomato, you know, if you have tins of chickpeas and artichokes and sun-dried tomatoes and, um, you know, you have a different and, 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 and using your freezer. Yeah. So we have a, a gorgeous uh, strawberry ice cream, but and the trick is the frozen strawberries. So you haven't tried that one yet. It's on my list it's, of it's things so, to try. It's so easy, and it's got um, it's just with some um, live yogurt, some regular yogurt, yep. but that's good for gut health to mm. um, contribute to the healthy bacteria. And then it's just got a little bit of maple syrup. But it is the easiest thing in the world. Literally, it's frozen strawberries, and um, you know, as I say, yogurt and a little bit of maple syrup. So we, we kept trying to think, you know, how would this really be used and would you actually do these recipes? And as you say, phew, I'm so pleased. You think they are okay? <laughs> no, they are. They're wonderful. Like I said, I come home from a busy work day and then yeah. I have to cook for a family and I do use the recipes, yeah. which is evidence that they're easy to do. Yeah. And that was, you did mention this as well at the beginning of the book. I, I think you said that that was important because if you are struggling with anxiety and depression, yeah. it can seem like a very daunting task to cook and, and to change what you're doing and try and, you know, make it a, a, a whole new way of thinking about the kitchen. Yeah. So I guess if you give yourself the toolbox to work with, like more variety, things there in the pantry ready to use, cook things in advance, would that help you change what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, think, I think that's right. I think um, it's a huge topic. How do you make these changes? How do you actually motivate people to make these changes? Because... It's almost like a lot of us do know what are the healthier options and probably a lot of people generally have a sense of it, but how do they actually make those changes when sugary and fatty food is very compelling and particularly you're feeling low? Um, I think there were two sort of psychological shifts um, that helped a lot. And I think the first was this sense of agency and you have a choice. And one of the lovely things about nutrition and these ideas that it could boost your mood is that you can make a choice five, six times a day. So you can keep coming back to making a good choice. Um, and I love that sense of agency that you can take some responsibility. So as I say, I would never say no to the medication route, but one of the problems with it is you do become dependent on somebody else sorting out your mental health. Mm, absolutely. So I think the truth is it is going to require a bit of effort. It just is. Um, you know, you do maybe have to restock your cupboard, uh, restock your kitchen. Um, though, as I say, the variety rule is really nice in the sense that it's kind of easy, like just when you go to the supermarket, don't just buy um, olive oil, maybe buy coconut oil or mm. one of the other, uh, one of the ses sesame oil. And it's almost like once you've done that, you have the raw materials. Um, but so this psychological approach, I think, is important of, you know, you have a choice. You can, you can make this decision that you're going to invest in your mental health and you're going to decide that you're going to look after yourself, which, which actually is not very revolutionary. It's kind mm. of what our grandparents did, but we've sort of lost it on the way. Um, so I think that's one really important thing. And I think the second really important psychological shift to kind of making these changes, um, one thing that I always kind of bear in mind is kind of, is it worth it? Yeah. So when you see, you know, as you say, you know, do you just shove something in the microwave or choose the sugary snack? Sometimes it may be worth it. You know, sometimes you really are tired or maybe you want to celebrate. It's your anniversary or it's your mm -hmm. birthday or you're going out with friends and you just make a conscious decision I think the different for me, difference for me is to be more mindful and focused and to sort of just observe what I'm doing, like almost like be your own detective. It's like, okay, I'm going to eat this, you know, dark chocolate cake, but I'm going to do it with pleasure and focus. And I'm not going to eat the whole cake. <laughs> I'm not going to have the fridge yeah. gaping and just, you know, necking a, a bottle of dark Coke without thinking. Yeah. 
So I think those sort of shifts, um, which I hope is reflected in the tone of the book, which is it's a gentle re-engagement in a, in a sort of different way of how we think about food. It's not just fuel. It's it's something that can really nurture and support us. Have you had? Have you seen any other benefits along the way? Did you lose weight? You know, or because that's yeah. obviously a question that that people would love to have as a side benefit. Yeah. What other benefits were there? Oh well, I did lose weight. I did lose weight. I I didn't set out to lose weight, as mm. you say. Uh, so first of all. Um, some of the medication makes you put on weight. Yep. Um, so um, I was not taking medication. So luckily I'd sort of passed that stage. But certainly it's definitely an issue the people I run the workshops for, um, which is putting on weight with side effects of medication. Um, I think that um, because I was feeling calmer and weller and my mood was up, I wasn't so drawn to sugary um, sweets and, and treats in that way. Um, so that that kind of helped adjust in terms of um, my diet. And I think that it's this idea that everything is connected. So that was what was so interesting um, and which I thought was so thoughtful of Alice was to, to treat my symptoms in order, which reflects the order of the book. Mm. Um, and as I say, starting on energy. Um, so once my energy was up, I was exercising more. Okay. And once my mood was up, I was out and about, you know, and so I was getting out and I was exercising. And so everything kind of fell into place. Um, but as you say, kind of almost by stealth, mm. um, and I wasn't calorie counting, and I wasn't cutting out food groups. In fact, quite the opposite. One of the things which was rather amazing was that by eating more variety, um, particularly of different kinds of plants, mm -hmm. um, that's one of our golden rules, is, is to increase the amount of vegetables and fruits you eat. Um, yeah, the weight came off. So, I mean... What a, you yeah, look I'm not fantastic. making it up. I'm not making <laughs> no, it up. No, you look fantastic. What a happy side benefit it, what, to have what, more energy a, and it, then lose weight. Yeah, and, you know, and, all those and I mean, that's, um, I know that's not just me because it's happened with people running who come to my workshops. And then you're in this lovely virtuous circle because they're kind of like, oh my God, I feel so cheerful because I actually can fit into my clothes and I'm going to go shopping. And I don't know, it all falls into place, but it feels sustainable. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not like it's a, it's a diet in the sense it's things that you eat, but it's not aimed it's not a diet as it's not a reduction of, diet no, you're not and no. that's again one of the lovely yeah, things about it is yeah. it opens you up to more variety and more yeah more choices and more options yeah because we know that diets many people if if, if, you, if you if you get into that mindset of, of, of you know that's forbidden mm. that it's very hard to keep that makes you want it more doesn't yeah it? it's totally like forbidden fruit yeah um and then just i wanted one quick explanation from you if you don't mind me asking we're hearing a lot about the gut being called the second brain yeah and i know not many people have come across that that before could you just explain what that means yeah so i think this is how i kind of understand it and actually it's very much at the heart of my whole approach to staying mentally well and staying calm is that I think we need to look at a whole system. So I think in the past people thought, okay, mental illness, depression, anxiety, something's wrong, wrong with your brain. So something probably does go wrong with your brain. Interestingly, we don't know exactly what. Um, there's a whole debate around chemical imbalance and all of that, but it, it's a little bit uncertain exactly what happens. But anyway, setting aside something going wrong with your brain, the way I think scientists now and some doctors now are thinking it's a better way to look at our mental health, to think of the whole system. So our brain is connected directly to our stomach through the vagus nerve. And our brain sends messages to our stomach. But what I learned was that our stomach sends messages to our brain. Mm -hmm. So this is why I think it was Michael Gershon was the, was the person who came up with the idea of the second brain. Um, and I think you know that instinctively. So when you talk about, um, you know, I feel sick to my stomach or... Yeah. Um, you know, those kind of expressions is that there is this connection 
constantly. Um, and I think what it means for our mental health is that if we can uh, uh, um, sort of um, try and encourage a nice, calm, healthy digestive system, crucially, which is not inflamed, um, because there seems to be a link between a, a, a inflammation of the brain and inflammation of the stomach, mm-hmm. um, then that will send nice, calm messages between the head and the stomach and we'll feel calm and well. And I think that's why, um, you know, we talk about the second brain um, and, and I don't think we're going to go backwards on that. Now no. we realise these gut-brain connections. This is sort of no way back. And it seems like there's more and more evidence coming out in support of that for a whole different, you know, yeah. for a yeah. whole number of different areas. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So what's really interesting is that quite a lot of uh, ongoing chronic uh, lifestyle illnesses, so diabetes, um, obesity, some of the mental health issues, that now is one view of them, which is that it's to do with this underlying uh, chronic levels of of, of, of inflammation. Mm. So um, one of the really bits of convincing evidence and um, studies in the book we have is about the power of the omega-3s and they're anti-inflammatory. Um, so they bring down inflammation. And again, a plant-based diet, it's nice and anti-inflammatory. Yeah. So this low level of inflammation may be contributing to diabetes, um, obesity and mental illness. So you're right. I think this is going to be an area that's only going to grow and is already growing. Because basically in the Western world, you know, we've done well with infectious diseases like malaria and we've, we've, we've pretty much done, you know, we've done a great job there. We're not doing well on the lifestyle illnesses. Mm. Um, so I think there will be more and more interest in this kind of research and really trying to nail what's going on. I can't even, wait to see how it unfolds because there seems yeah. to be so much that needs to be explored there. Yeah, Still. I mean, even a simple thing, 90% of serotonin is made in your gut. See, I read that and I thought that was so fascinating because I mean, we think it's all, yeah. you know, coming from our brains. But Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's just, um, and serotonin affects all sorts of things as well as, you know, being that sort of happy hormone. But it, it also ha- it affects our digestive system. So and it, and it affects our muscular system. So these mind-body links, I think the way I think of it now, I don't think it's mind here and body there. I don't just think they're connected. I think they're indissoluble. They're kind of one and the same. Mm. Um, And it's such a relief, actually, if you've had any anxiety or mental health problems, it's just to think, you know what, I can't always fix my head, but maybe I can fix my body. You know, I can use breathing exercises to relax. I can use exercise to help. And I can use food. And, And I can come at it the other way around. And isn't that great? And Thank I you. guess then just in conclusion, do you? I know there's a lot of beautiful recipes in the book. Did you have a favourite one that's very close to your heart, one that you do just throw together last minute? Is there one that yes. particularly speaks um, to you? Well, I've got an awful lot. I mean, I think <laughs> All of them. Um, I do have a particular attachment to the spelt and spinach pancakes. Yeah. And I might get a little bit emotional, but I, I was very emotional when I first made them because it kind of spoke to so many things that mattered to me, like the children and, you know, being able to cook at home and being a good mom and providing something nutritious and helping me. And, um, you know, it's a pancake and yeah. I could cook a pancake and it looked beautiful and I pulled it off. And I suppose I feel everybody's creative and it's just sometimes, you know, there's nothing there and you make it and it looks beautiful. I mean, how nice is that? So that always has a bit of a special place in my heart. I have to say, it is it is a lovely recipe. So <laughs> it's lovely to hear the story about uh, um, behind it. Rachel, thank you so much for talking to me today. As I said at the beginning, I am a huge fan of the book. It is It has a special place on my shelf, so it was really lovely to meet you. Um, and thank you for taking the time to talk me through all the questions that I had. Well, I uh, it's a complete thrill. It's a thrill to be in Sydney. It's a thrill to be here. And it's a thrill to know that you like the book. And 
may food be your medicine and happy cooking.